From the PCC Studios in Midland, it's The Catwalk, presented by Performance Chemical. Conversations connecting with industry executives, community leaders, nonprofit organizations, and social entrepreneurs. Well, hello, Catwalkers. Welcome to another day of exciting broadcast excellence. This is The Catwalk, America's favorite podcast show. I am your host, Jay Whitlow, and for the second week in a row, subbing in for the great Moose Myers is the Sir Timothy Lester. How are you, Tim? Man, I am great. Two weeks. Super happy to be back to walk this cat. That's that's (laughs) exactly right. And you did well the first week. You know, last week you subbed in for us. We had a great interview with David uh, Parkhurst, and uh, today we have another great uh, guest with us, too. So we're excited about this. So have you seen any movies lately? I mean, you gone to see Barbie? I haven't. I haven't seen Barbie or Oppenheimer or Barbie Oppenheimer, however that's pronounced. However, it's yeah, um, it's covered. But yeah, no, we haven't. And you know, we had the the, the tragedy of the Regal Cinema shutting down. I heard about that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and and it's interesting that uh, I bring this up because I think I mentioned it last week. The reason I love the Regal Cinema so much is they serve Pepsi over Coke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you brought that up last time, and I'm like, why would you throw that yeah, out there? So, you know, are you a you're I'm a Pepsi, Pepsi guy, man? I like Pepsi. Pepsi over, over yeah, Coke. and even as a raging diabetic, I'm a diet <laughs> Pepsi guy. Raging so, diabetic, that's yeah, funny. Guys, stay healthy. Don't that's, don't do yeah. Anything. Don't don't be like Tim. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of movies uh, um, recently, uh, and that's not because I go to the theaters. It's because I have. Uh, a lot of uh, streaming uh, uh, yes. accounts, you know, Disney and Paramount and stuff. So I want to give you today a review, a Netflix movie review. Actually, it's a documentary. Um, it is a show that I've watched, and I have a couple stories about it that I think you'll find interesting. So I want to share with you about Facing Nolan. you have any idea who Nolan is? I know of Nolan. I'm not a big baseball guy. So you, it's I Nolan know who Ryan. Nolan Ryan is. Yeah. And I know we have a street named after him here in yes, Midland. We do. We do. So this documentary series on Netflix is called Facing Nolan. And it is kind of a historical uh, pathway through his time. Uh, when he got drafted in, he played for the Mets, he played for the Angels, he played for the Astros, and then most recently, before he retired, was with the great Red Shoe Texas Rangers. And that's where I have a a, a love. I've always liked uh, Nolan. Nolan is my second favorite baseball player of all time. Can you take any wild guess at what team and what player my favorite person would be? Oh man! I'm just um, gonna ask if you wanna, dude. Well, with your age, you could be a Babe Ruth fan. <laughs> I could be, but I'm not. You could be, but there may be something that I'm wearing that gives it away. I don't know if you can see that or not. The Oreos. I, the Oreos. Number eight. Do you know who wore number eight? That would be the great Cal Ripken Jr., wow. who holds the record for the most consecutive uh, games played. But he is my number one favorite player. And person, athlete, whatever. But my second is Nolan Ryan. So I'm going to talk just briefly about this. Have you seen the documentary? I haven't. Facing no, Nolan? no, no. I'm my Netflix experiences tend to be me starting a movie, falling asleep a quarter of the way through, then restarting it and falling asleep halfway. Again. So it takes me about a week to watch. And anything. I bet it's for mature audiences only. Uh, typically, no. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe, but I bet it is. No. I bet it is. If I asked Sarah, it probably would be. So let me give you just a little bit about this movie because in it, he. he it just chronicles his career, um, and, you know, he is the strikeout king leader. I was actually at his 5,000th strikeout game. It was on uh, August the 22nd in 1989 at the old Arlington Stadium. It's highlighted in this documentary, but I'll never forget it. We sat in the uh, in the upper deck behind home plate, two rows from the very top. I mean, it was very hard because here's the thing. You could you – could, try to pinpoint when his 5,000th strikeout was going to be, right? At his start, he was like 12 strikeouts away, and he would pitch in that game, and he would finish with nine. It was like, okay, it's going to be the next game. So everybody would buy tickets for that. But I remember a friend of mine got tickets, and we went, and we sat at the very top, and he struck out his 5,000th person, Ricky Henderson of the Oakland A's. And it was just – it was a great, great moment. It's in that – so when it came on the Facing Nolan – 
show, I, I teared up a little bit because I was there. I was in all the uh, the footage. You, you couldn't see me, but I was a screaming fan in 1989. But the one that I really want to talk to you about that you're going to find very interesting because it gives away a little secret about me. Uh, Gail and I had been married about four or five months, mm. five months at this time. It was May the 1st. I was at seminary. This was 1991. I was at seminary. It was a Bible college, uh, secondary, uh, getting my master's degree. She was working locally. We didn't uh, have a whole lot of money. We didn't have a uh, whole lot of things to do. And But we were involved very heavily at one of our a local church. And this happened to be a Wednesday night. She had a long day at work. I had a long time with school and stuff. So we decided not to go to church that Wednesday night. We said, we're just not going. Let's just go watch a Texas Ranger game because she knew I was a big Ranger fan. And so we went. It was not a sellout. Uh, there was not a whole lot going on. Nolan was pitching, and he's you know my second favorite. It wasn't going to be a, a specific strikeout night or anything. But we went. The stadium was half full. Come to find out in the documentary, Nolan talks about how he walks out of the dugout to go pitch this normal, regular game and looks back and says, this could be it. And you might want to get somebody in the bullpen warming up because I don't think I'm going to make it out of the first inning. And, Tim, I skipped church for Nolan's seventh no-hitter. How about that? I mean, and I couldn't tell anybody because all my friends from church were like, where were you? Why oh, was yeah. you at church? I mean, and I'm like, uh, we stayed home and listened to Chris Tomlin yeah, and prayed. We were ministering to, oh, the, uh, we, to the people at the, the ball. We table. went. And, and here's the crazy thing. We sat in the outfield, which are metal bleachers at the time. Wow. And it was hot. There. Yeah. You know? I've been in those bleachers. They suck. And not many people were at the game. But about fifth or sixth inning, it started trickling out on the radio that – He's about to – because it wasn't even locally televised. It was just a garden variety just Ranger game in that. May. I mean, they weren't even pursuing, uh, you know, the the pennant at the time. And by the time it got to the seventh inning, the stadium was packed. Yeah. They had already sent all the people who do ticket take-up. They'd already gone home. So people were just driving up and walking, walking in. in. Yeah. What started in about 30,000 ended at about forty five to almost 50,000 people just standing around. Nobody was sitting in their seats and everything, And but we got to see the seventh no-hitter. And that was just a really great moment for me, but I couldn't tell anybody because we skipped church for that. Mm. And, you know, I don't like skipping church. I, yeah, yeah. You're definitely a sinner, but that's okay. <laughs> definitely a sinner. You know who's not a sinner? Is our guest today. We have a very special guest who's not a sinner today. Not a okay. Would you please welcome to the catwalk our very special friend? This is Mr. Jeff Patterson right here. Well, I don't know about that not being a sinner part there, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're a big baseball fan. I love baseball. I Tell love me, baseball. you got any Nolan stories or anything? Uh, well, Nolan Ryan is one of my favorite players as well. I don't know. If, I don't have him listed as like first, second, or third. Uh, well, I do my favorite, but uh, yeah. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I do love Nolan Ryan. I uh, I love his his grit, and he just like gets after it. And I love that, you know, he's old when he was finishing his career, mm-hmm. and still would just get on get on the mound and would just deal it and just just bring it. And he's throwing it as hard in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning as he did at the beginning. And you know, and he's 40, 45, 46, yeah. and you know, just just bringing it. Now we got some of the young guys that play now, and they get into the second inning, and they're tired, looking in the dugout, wanting people Pitch to come count. take them out. Yeah, and, yeah. 14 relievers later we get to the 6th inning and yeah. Yeah. So have you have you seen facing Nolan and do you do you have a favorite part of his career? Oh, I just my favorite part probably is um the Robin Ventura incident where he yes. like, totally nails him and and uh Robin Ventura comes and chases out to the mound, you know, and you know a lot of pitchers like run the other direction and Nolan throws his glove down and is like, "Okay, bring it." You know, yeah. it's like Gets him in the headlock and just starts wailing on him. I, mean, just, I was going to say, wasn't he, wasn't he just like punching him in the face? Yeah, and yeah like, gets him in the headlock. You're, you're not a baseball this, fan, but you're yeah. 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 even Yeah, even non-baseball fans know that part. Yeah. yeah. And and what's funny is at the when they brought this up in the show, they said – they made they made sure that everybody knew this on the show – that Robin Ventura did not want to participate in the making of this 
documentary because it was going to be that <laughs> section about uh, the section about him. So, oh man. So you know our uh, our our uh, viewers listeners may not know too much about you, Jeff. We've been friends for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, our families have been friends for a long time. You have a great great story. We're going to get into about um, public education and private school education. Uh, so tell tell everybody a little bit about Jeff Patterson, your family, where you're from. Uh, I grew up in Odessa. Um, I lived there all the way from birth through high school. Um, went to Texas Tech University. Reckham. Reckham. We have a lot of Red Raiders. Yeah. We have, a, we, here. we have a type for this this podcast. So maybe, is that a prerequisite? Like yeah. Maybe a prerequisite. Collegiate background. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, but I got my bachelor's degree yeah. in music there at Texas Tech. Um, went to University of Arkansas right after it, um, mm. Pig Suey, and got Pig my Suey. master's degree. Um, but uh, while I was at Tech, I met my lovely wife, Lynetta, and uh, we started dating and uh, got married in 1995. Uh, we have four kids. Um, Caleb's 21, Josh is tw- uh, 20, I think mm. for a second, he's 20. Yeah. Uh, Hannah just turned 18 and Lydia's 16. Um, so I've got uh, one, uh, Caleb is out working here in Midland, just has a job and working and doing well. Um, Joshua just transferred to Texas A&M. Not sure how I truly feel about that. I bought my first Aggie. Yeah, yeah. bought my first Aggie shirt a couple of weeks ago when I was at his new student conference. Mm. Um Got to, I mean, I'll probably only wear it in College Station, but sure. got to get behind him. Uh, Hannah's going to go to Blinn. She also wants to go mm-hmm. to Um Lydia's going to be a junior in high school. Um, but, yeah, I just, I'm just i loving life. I mean, I was a teacher. For, I've been a teacher my whole career and uh, doing a lot of other things that we're going to talk about. And, uh, well, let's jump into that, the, the teaching part, because uh, it's, it's a very interesting uh, concept between the two. You started in public school. Tell right. us a little bit about your public school experience, and then parlay that into you're at Midland Classical now. Right. right. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, so like I told you, I got my degree in music, uh, bachelor in music with a teaching certification. Um, got out of school, went, got my master's degree, music performance, um, came back to Odessa and started teaching. And I was an assistant band director at Odessa High School for two years. Um, and then I switched to be the head band director at Ector Middle School. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent 20 years there, so 22 years total teaching public school um, there in Odessa. And, you know, there's there's a lot of great things to it. And, I mean, I had a blast. I got to do some really fun things, you know, teaching music, taking kids on trips, and uh, performing in some pretty great venues around around the state. You know, I got to play mm-hmm. in Meyerson and Dallas and um, just some really, really cool places and uh, meet a lot of fun people and play a lot of fun music and um, things like that. Um, but as I as I kind of went through my career and uh, mm-hmm. kind of just with my family, um, I just started feeling like I wanted to be, you know, closer to where my kids were. Um, my All of my children went to Midland Class School. My wife works at Midland Class School. Um, and so I had been in, I had been talking a little bit with a friend about just the possibility of uh, switching over and working at Midland Class School. They don't have a band program. So it would be a, a pretty I don't, I don't want to say a complete career change because I was teaching and I'm mm-hmm. still teaching, um, but I was it was a completely different completely different subject matter. Um, but I had been talking to him for a while and um, just decided that I was going to just throw my name in the hat and just kind of see what would happen. Primarily because I wanted to be where my kids were. I wanted to be mm-hmm. uh, have the opportunity to be to be my own children, my biological DNA children's teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> since I've switched, I've had the opportunity to teach two of them. My two boys, I never got the opportunity. Well, actually, that's not true. I did teach my, my oldest son when he was a senior one class. Yeah. Um, and I've taught both of my daughters. And it's pretty special. I mean, it's pretty fun, you know, when you're in the class and everybody's calling you Mr. Patterson, but that one kid's calling you dad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's really sweet. I mean, it's just that's really cool. worth it. Um, so I just wanted to be around them as much as I could. I knew that they were going to grow up and uh, move out of the house. Uh, well, I guess that's, you know, what we, what they all do, right? And grow yeah. up and whether they go to college or get a job, they're going to move out. And so I was just kind of looking at the the time left, and I was like, I want to be want to be around them as much as I can sure. while I have that opportunity. Sure. What, what do you think, and Tim, Tim jump in, because I know you have some uh, some views on this. What, what are some of your differences that you see, pros and cons? I mean, this is not going to be a bash session of, right. of either public or private school. But what do you see that's, that's positive from the public school and what's positive from the private school? Well, I, I really think I've, I've thought a lot about this since you and I were talking about doing, you know, doing this podcast. And I think that the mission for both public and private is the same. I think at its heart, I think both public and private school education has the well-being 
and the betterment of the children of our society. Um, not not to sound cliche and go, oh, it's for the children. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think deep down, I think that the betterment of our kids and wanting them to to learn and get educated and have a better better opportunities as they grow older and do things. I think both of them have that at, at their heart. Um, I think that public school, um, again, not to be political or bashing, mm-hmm. but I, I just think it's gotten a lot more um, rigid with maybe some guidelines that have become uh, a little bit too strenuous in terms of like, we have to do it this way, have to do it that mm-hmm. way. Um, and whereas, you know, private school education, especially in a place like mine, um, we have the freedom to do things a little bit differently. There's some, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to follow um, all of the same things. Like we don't take the star test at Midland Class School, which is what public school does. Mm-hmm. And um, so that just frees up a lot of um, just time where sure. we can do things differently. Sure. Tim, you, yeah. you've got kids in public school, right? I do. I do. And I, I think you actually just hit a nail on the head. The rigidity of the public school is probably its biggest uh, challenge. Yeah. And the flexibility of um, customized or private school um, is, is its biggest success. Um, mm. I, it's always funny because um, – and you talked about band and, and it's interesting because I was a band kid. Yeah. Um, I grew up playing bass clarinet. Um, I didn't play the normal clarinet because I couldn't afford one. And the school provided bass clarinets. For free? For right. free. They had them. Wow. Well, but the other thing was my band director, who is a fantastic woman that I love dearly, um, she saw that I was a big guy with a lot of air. <laughs> and so I could play that wow. bass clarinet super loud. Um, and I can't see you playing a bass dude, clarinet. Dude, I mean, and here's the crazy part is that's like funny. that's where I learned discipline. Really? Sure. That's where I learned persistence. That's where I learned wow. the ability to uh, achieve more than what I thought I could. Absolutely. A lot of people will um, – a, a lot of people <clears throat> will go into that and they'll, they'll experience that in like the athletic world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really introduced into the athletic worlds. That wasn't something my family was super just pushy on or, or even sure. really made available. Um, and my mom was an educator at the collegiate level. And uh, my father was just a scholar who couldn't stop learning. Mm. And so um, we, we were more of the creative side, and I absolutely loved it. And it is like the one thing that I want my kids to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And my, specifically my son, my, my daughter's three. She's not quite into it. Um, but my son, who's going into the fifth grade, the rigidity became a challenge because he's too smart. Um, and now I know every parent says their kid's too smart, but my kid is, uh, and it's a challenge to me. It's a frustration to me because man, he's smarter than you. He'll, yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes he'll come in and, and just blow me away, and sometimes he'll come in and say stuff. I'm like, man, you're a ten year old. You can't be saying stuff like, hey, I think my teacher might be incompetent. Um, which oh. he worded out the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, I hope you didn't say that to her. Yeah. Um, but even even the ability with public school now to have some different options. So he's actually going to Carver this year, Mm -hmm. which is a STEM school. And he has a very strong inclination towards electronics. And um, he's a big Lego guy and they have like a Lego robotics team. And so that flexibility that came in at at that level is a huge win um, in getting away from that rigidity of public education. Because the truth is uh, from like a, a parent level, the star test is a joke. Uh, my kid got like a 99 on both and he finished it in like 30 minutes. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, they have gotten so good at teaching to this test, which they all hate. And that's the other teaching to the test rather than teaching to learn. They hate it. Educators hate it. My mother-in-law was a preschool teacher and, and she wasn't even teaching to a test, but she was teaching to a testing model. Yeah. And so even in that aspect, it was so hard on the educators to not to have that rigidity mm-hmm. that they can't even enjoy what they do sometimes. Well, Tim hit on something that I saw you respond to, Jeff, and I want to hear more from you on it. Uh, that Tim learned in band, uh, you learned what you learned how discipline, discipline, and, uh, consistency, yeah, so hard work. You're you're the you're the band director who sure. who possibly taught that to him. What's your take on that? Is that something that you wanted to instill in your students? Absolutely. I mean, that's where I learned it too growing up. I mean, I played sports 
um, kind of on the side. And I played in I played sports in school until, um, well, everybody else was bigger and stronger, and <laughs> I got tired of sitting on the on the bench on on Saturdays and decided that I was gonna gonna go a different route. And um, but I, I loved my band director um, as well. My band director. Um, he was a strict disciplinarian. I mean, he flew the Huey helicopter during Vietnam War, hmm. like not not drafted, but like signed up and then re-upped for a second tour. And I mean, just just strict. But I mean, he challenged us so much. Um, I think I think one of the things that is is lacking in our world is is um, young people not trying things that are too hard for them. Hmm. Um, I think that everything everybody seems to try to play play everything really safe um, instead of just going for it and, and seeing, because we're afraid to fail. Mm. Um, we, I guess, I don't know where, but somehow we've learned that failure is, is bad. And in reality, I don't think failure is as long as we're putting forth the right effort and we're, we're really attacking something. Um, and so like the music that we played when I was in high school, I never really thought anything about it. I mean, it's just our, Mr. Nail gave it to us and we, we put it on our, on our stand and just played it. We just played it. We just got after it and we worked hard and we did it. And then I went to college and we're, you know, talking. And I mean, I've got some kids who are in similar situations as me and others who've never even never even heard some of the pieces we played. Then I go to graduate school and we're playing music at, you know, at that level. Mm-hmm. And the people are just blown away that I've already played these pieces. And they're, they're asking when I played them. And I was like, well, we played this when I was a sophomore in high school. And they were like, are you kidding me? Hmm. And, and I'm like, no, I mean, we, we just didn't know. Yeah. And I, I think we limit kids sometimes when we say, oh, you're not supposed to be able to do this yet. And so as a band director, I, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to challenge my kids to the point of like doing something that's too hard for them, really. Okay, well, how do you do that? Well, you have to be disciplined. You have to do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. Hmm. You have to practice. I learned that from my grandfather, by the way. He yeah. was a, a rancher and you start with the hard stuff first. And uh, anyway, you, you you challenge them and they have, they have to be disciplined and you have to set a schedule. Okay, I'm going to practice this many hours per week, this many days per week. I'm going to do this section and I'm going to do it this many times until I can get it this many times in a mm-hmm. row correctly. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to be persistent. Some practice sessions are not going to be good. Some are going to be awesome. Some are going to be terrible. Some are going to make me want to throw my instrument off of a cliff. <laughs> Some are going to want me to pr- like You've been there, Tim. Change, yeah. change yeah. My, my world into where I'm, I'm a professional player now. And that's all I do is I play mm-hmm. my instrument all the time. But you just keep on keeping on. And and I really honestly believe that it it, it helped me learn how to do a lot of things. I mean, I ran a half marathon in 2010 using this idea of how to prepare for something that's hard a long ways away by these little mini goals that mm. I set with my band kids. Mm. And running the half marathon helped me with my teaching, but my teaching helped me with my preparation yeah. for the half marathon. I mean, you just you just learn so much because not every day is going to be a bed of roses. You're not always yeah. going to wake You're not up and that. rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. But you still keep on keeping on. When, when you left uh, – band directing and, and public school and went over to Midland Classical, mm-hmm. you're kind of walking away from that uh, season of your life, right? Right. Was that a difficult decision? Did you, how did you work through that? I know we've talked about this at times when I remember my kids went to Midland Classical, my wife taught right. there. So I remember that that was a connection that we had. And, and I remember it was a, it was a struggle, wasn't it? How did, how did you walk away from that season knowing God has a new season for you? Well, it was, it was scary. I mean, to be honest, I mean, cause I'd been um, for so long, that was my identity is uh, I was the band mm-hmm. director. Right. And, and I was the music guy. I mean, that's just what I did. And if, and if I'm really honest, I mean, I, I there was a lot of great things about my experience of public teaching, uh, public school teaching. But by the time I got to the end and, and my primary motivation was trying to move to be where my kids were. But I was really tired. I was really mm-hmm. worn out with some of the things that I was being asked to do. Um, n- nothing illegal or anything like that, but just some of the things that I was being asked to implement in my classes that had nothing to do with the subject I was teaching. But to to promote the overall passing of our test. Mm-hmm. And and so I was just worn out and I, I was just I was so burnt out and I was just like I gotta I gotta walk away and do something different. But at the same time, I had played music, I mean since nineteen eighty two was when I started playing my, my first trombone in nineteen eighty two. And I had played every day, pretty much every well, not every single day, but mm-hmm. I would say probably at least three hundred days a year from nineteen eighty two to the year two thousand and eighteen. 
And so, I mean, it's that, that's a long time. That's a lot of music notes. That's a lot of music mm. notes. That is. That's a lot of practice sessions. That's yeah. a lot of marching in your own backyard trying to figure out how to play and march at the same time. And it, it was kind of difficult. Um, and for for a part of me, it was it was easy because I was just burnt out and I was ready to do something different. But at the, the other side of me, it was difficult because I'm not a very adventurous person. Mm. And so for me to step out and go, I'm just going to completely change and do something different. It was kind of scary. And I, I miss it. I miss making music. I miss being mm -hmm. able to play. I've, I've had the opportunity this summer to go um, and help teach my uh, the girl who was my assistant. She's now the head band director at Compass High School and Compass Charter Academy. Mm -hmm. And um, she's asked me to come and help her teach some stuff this summer. And I got to go do it. And it was a blast because it was I, I hadn't done it in so long. Yeah. And I was just pulling my instrument out and just playing. And I was like, man. It's fun. I used to be pretty good at this because, I mean, look, I hadn't played in like five years. And look, I mean, because I've, I've probably played my instrument since 2018, probably a grand, a grand total of about eight hours. Wow. After playing 300 days a year yeah, for, for 35 years of yeah. my life, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I think that that's one of the powerful parts of music. Um, I was so I was all in on band. I was a band kid and a choir kid. So <clears throat> we were musically focused. I can't say that. Uh, not at all. <laughs> uh, well, and when you damage your vocal cords, it makes yeah. it worse. Um, but yeah, singing Creed songs. Yeah, well, it was Nickelback that time. <laughs> I was but, yeah, hey, I like Nickelback. Creed. Uh, yeah, yeah, Creed. Creed's, <laughs> okay, Creed's this show's go over. <laughs> um, Creed's right. a banger. I yeah. like it. So we <laughs> banger. It taught. The skill sets that I'm still using today, and mm -hmm. I left both musics my senior year of high school. I said, really? I'm not going to shut go, the door on it. I'm not going to go teach. I'm not going to be a professional bass clarinet player. There's there's mm -hmm. only like three of them in the country that get paid. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm I I damaged my vocal cords working at camp to a point where I, mm -hmm. I couldn't sing at the level that I needed to to be a performer or yeah. to be a teacher. And I didn't want to teach, so I didn't have that for me, but those skill sets actually transitioned so heavily into what became my journalism degree that uh, that it's so interesting that I rarely use now. But it was my skill set. It was the it was the consistency, the determination. Right. Um, I used to hand develop film, and I mean, I probably right. spent just as much time practicing developing film as I did practicing for solo and ensemble, or uh, during marching season when we would sure. be out there all day and all night, and so. The skill sets are just amazing. They are what made our it, it made made many generations so different. Mm -hmm. And so I I miss that in uh, many of the public schools because um, I remember growing up and I I we may have marched against your band. I have no idea. Uh, I'd have to go back. And Wait, look what at, high school were you? So we were at San Angelo Central. Okay. So I mean. I'd have to go back and look at the years, but and you were in Lubbock, no, I was Odessa. in Odessa. Yeah, he, yeah, he was in Odessa. I bet y'all did. We may have. We were five A, so I think you were at Ector, and that may have been. A little... Yeah, we were in just middle school. I was so, but I team taught up at, at Odessa High. Yeah, yeah, and so the, this hmm. connections, these abilities to create relationships, and it came from that. And the te you can't teach that in 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 the classroom. You can't. Right. It has to be developed in those the side relationships and that's where athletics and uh the creative arts mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh lego uh robotics right. like that's where these things become so important is they are the true builders of culture and character and skill sets that our people our, our generations are going to actually be using in the future true I, I also think that that if you if you think about just like what your brain is doing when you're doing these things music or sports mm -hmm. or the robotics and things like that um, especially with music, I mean, you're using the mathematical side of your brain because of all of the precision and the rhythms, but you're also using the other side of your brain with the creative side with it. And so you're actually you're actually exercising both sides of your brain at the mm. same time. And like the things that you do when you're doing math are the same mathematical or the sure. same brain processes you're doing when you're counting your rhythms and knowing the precision of when to put it and how to you know, the right note at the right time with the right mm -hmm. volume. But then you have the the creative side of it as well. So you're stretching both sides. Um, and so I, I really think it's it's that's just cool. so so cool how it develops the whole the whole person. That's a that's a crazy point that I've never considered before. Really, is because I am so I, I'm a math oriented person, and and my son is that's, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, and and I'd never considered the fact that, uh, and now that you think about it, it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. That you're you're just using that math consistently in music. Yeah. Now you left band. We've we've. Cross that bridge. Right. You're at classical. Sure. 
There's not a band program. There's not. So what did you find yourself getting involved in if you couldn't do band there and you're obviously teaching? What extracurricular program did you get into? Uh, well, if you ask most band directors, I crossed over to the dark side and uh, became a coach. And I started coaching basketball. Yeah, um, I was uh, heavily involved coaching the junior high basketball while my boys were there. And then when they got up into the high school level, I uh, sat on the bench as an assistant coach um, for the varsity basketball team and had a lot of fun, helped helped coach the JV uh, with a good friend of mine, and then sat on the bench as a, as a coach doing the stats, doing the math side, um, mm-hmm. you know, keeping up. Stat with, guy. Yeah, I'm the stat guy. If you ever watch a college game and see the guy with the clipboard and the tie, does no coaching to the team, yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> I kept the stats of how many shots we made, missed, timeouts left. This guy has four fouls. You know, I mean, yeah. where are we going to lunch after the game is over? I mean, you know. The important things. The important, the important things, things. Yeah. yeah. Focus. Um, yeah, they, they pretty much told me, they said, we want you to do all of the other stuff so we can just pay attention to the game. Sure. Deal. Um, deal. And so, I mean, I, I had a blast doing that. Um, I had the privilege of being um, as an assistant coach on the bench as our team went to the Final Four for high school for uh, four years in a row mm-hmm. um, for TAPS. Um, pretty special. I mean, pretty heartbreaking. because TAPS is Texas? Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools. Okay. okay. It's basically the UIL of private schools. Okay. Nice. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as you go to UIL events for... Four years in what sport? Basketball. Basketball. In basketball, yeah. It was... It, it, it was it was exciting. It was awesome, and it was heartbreaking all at the same time because mm-hmm. um, you get so close, and you get you get a red ribbon, uh, mm-hmm. silver medal, mm-hmm. or or the red and white uh, ribbon, bronze medal because you don't even make it to the championship game. Uh, but it, but it's still a special process. I mean, the bonds that I have with those kids, even today. I mean, they're not kids now. I mean, they're mm-hmm. 21, 22 mm-hmm. years old. Some of them and uh, getting married. You know, been been to their weddings. All you know, several of them this summer. Um, just you know, just it's just really special to get to be a part of those. Um, and then as my boys got older, uh, well, I've been coaching baseball. Um, it's funny that today's, you know, you're talking about baseball for yeah. everything because it's, I mean, that's my thing. I love baseball. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm kind of like the anti-Tim who said he's not a baseball guy. I mean, baseball. That's cool. <laughs> baseball for me, like I told you earlier, yeah. I, I, I quit playing school sports when everybody was bigger and stronger and faster than me. Well, baseball, I could still compete because you didn't have to be 6'4". You mm-hmm. didn't have to be, you know, True. I could be I could be five seven and and one sixty, and still still play if I could hit and catch and throw mm-hmm. then put me in. Um, so I but I coached baseball for my boys um, and then uh, moved up to the varsity level uh, coaching there at, at MCA when my oldest son was a sophomore my my second son was an eighth grader right um, and we've we've had a had a good run we won uh, the TAPS three A state championship in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two congratulations um, thank you there you go. Thank you. State um, champs, and, and I, I truly, you know, with all of my heart, believe that COVID prevented us from being a three-peater. Because I really think in 2020, I think we would have challenged for state that year too, because we had a strong team that year as well. What did um, you do during COVID? Did you, did y'all still play or no? No, no it, was, it was all shut down. So you yeah, could have been a three-peater. We could have. I, I think so. Um, yeah, we we were um, that particular season. We were really rolling. It was early in the season, but we were winning yeah. and playing well, and everything was going well. And then we got a got a message that you know. For email from the school, like, hey, we're not, we're, we're shutting down. And um, so coaches, we had a meeting and like, okay, what can we do? Because we can't have organized practice. So we kind of, we kind of just kind of got together and just kind of made up a, these are the things that y'all could do if y'all wanted to get together. And, mm-hmm. and some of the boys, like a lot of the boys, um, school was not, we weren't allowed to do anything at school or anything like that. And so they just kind of on their own, just kind of met at a park, a few, you know, several times sure. and just kind of practicing and playing until we got the word that, well, the season's over. We're not going to ever go back this year. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of a dark season, but uh, we came back the next year, and uh, we just we just had a special special group of kids, and uh, we was, it was fun. I mean, if you know anything about baseball, we had we had I think seven come from behind wins. We had four walk offs, including in the second in, in the championship mm. game, walking nice. it off in the bottom of the seventh nice. to win. And That's great. Yeah, you know it's really fun to have the dog pile, but even more fun when you like you're 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 one out away from losing, and then yeah. you get you get a get a cool play that all of a sudden you score two and you win, and it's. Uh, so it's pretty fun. Well, if, if someone, uh, let's say a parent, uh, is listening, uh, watching, uh, and they've got young kids, um, and, and they want to start them in uh, <clears throat> a middle and classical type school, mm-hmm. what would you say to that young parent? Because you're obviously in the upper school mm-hmm. uh, there. So what would you say to someone who's looking to maybe get out of public school transition, or maybe they're wanting to, you know, don't really know which way to go. What would you say to encourage them 
in choosing like a middling classical or another private school over a public school? Well, the first thing I would tell them is to remember that, that those children are their children. And regardless of what they hear in the media or in the mm -hmm. world, they have a right and a responsibility, in my opinion, to make mm -hmm. sure that those kids are getting the best possible education and, and the best possible environment for them. Um, and, you know, MCA is not for everyone. Uh, I don't sit here and, and talk to you guys and, and, and say, well, you know, public school is terrible and MCA is the best place and the only place to go. And MCA is a wonderful place and it's awesome and it's been great for me and my family personally mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of other families. Um, other people don't feel the same way. They come in for a couple of years and they, they get, you know, it, it's just not for them. And so then they, they go away or they, they try to come and they can't get in and they find something else that fits their family well. Um, and they just kind of keep going with it. Um, but if, if if you're just asking, like, you know, somebody that's considering doing something different, I would just say, you know, those kids are your your responsibility and it's your right to know what they're doing and put them in the best possible mm -hmm. place for your family and for them. And, um, you know, and if you feel that, that there's a better option, then, then I say go for it and, and see. Sure. Because um, at, at the end of the day, um, it, it's, they're, like I said, they're, they're, they're your children. And... Um, public school is a great place for some, private school is a great place for some, mm -hmm. and you just got to find what's best for, for your family and, and run with it. Great point. Great point. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, you mentioned about baseball mm -hmm. coaching and that you had a favorite player. Nolan was one of the, who would you say is your all time favorite? Well, I spend a whole lot of time on it, but who's your all time favorite baseball player? Oh, without a doubt. It's Ryan Sandberg from the Chicago Cubs. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was, if you give me twenty guesses, that would have <laughs> never been in the twenty guesses. Yeah, most Tim probably don't even know who Ryan. I was about to say you could give me a million guesses. <laughs> I, I could go on through every name in the you phone book. Can't even still spell Ryan. Yeah, how do you spell Ryan Sandberg? Uh, R Y A N. No, you missed it. R Y N E. R Y. Okay. Ryan See, Sandberg. there you go. I can't even You're spell out. it. Uh, and it's it's probably lame reason for it, but. Um, uh, number one, no, I love the Chicago yeah. Cubs, right? And part of the reason I love Chicago Cubs is when I was a kid, we didn't have cable for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then when we got cable, WGN was in our cable package, yep. Yep. right? And that was Harry Carey and Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Mm -hmm. That's why Van Halen is like very high on my radar because Jump was the yeah. – every time when the song Jump would come on, that meant that the Cubs were about to play because that was the that was the song they played yeah. when they led into their broadcast. There you go. Um, I mean, and it was like, man, that's a cool song. Who is that? And so I started doing some looking and figured it out. I was like, man, they're really good. Um, but uh, I played second base growing up. I mean, I played baseball. My dad was a high school ball player and coached my older brothers, coached my younger brothers. And, um, and so, I, you know, I was at the baseball field from the time I could walk. I wanted to watch my, my brothers play and my dad coaching and stuff. And well, I played second base. I mean, that was my spot from, yeah. from the age of 10 till I finished playing when I was an 18. And Ryan Sandberg was the second baseman for the Chicago Cubs. He was, yeah. And he was Great good. One. He Hall was, of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And the things that I loved about him was not just the fact that he was good, but, I mean, he just played the game. Yeah. I mean, there, there wasn't, hardcore. wasn't the trash talking. There wasn't the cockiness. There wasn't, uh, you know, the look at me, I'm the, the showboat of the team, which, I mean, be, let's be honest, back in the 80s, late 80s, there, there really wasn't as much of that as there is nowadays right. anyway. Um, but Ryan was, he was kind of your blue, blue collar. Uh, I'm going to show Worker. up. I'm going to do my job every yeah. single day. And just real consistent. Yeah. And, and I just love that about him. Well, one of the things, you know, I, I, I love sports. I was, I was in band to play drums and that was the that only thing sense. they would let me because do. most of the drummers were not of the highest yeah, level yeah. of intelligence. Right. So. And didn't know music. They weren't, they weren't musicians. They were asking us to read music. I'm like, what? It's just boom, boom, you know? <laughs> uh, but one of the things growing up, cause my dad coached and, and I, I lost my, my cousin Bill a couple of weeks ago. And um, and he was my first baseball coach, basketball coach stuff. Do you have any idea who dreamed up the this concept of coaches wearing the uniform of the team? Because baseball players wear the coaches wear the yeah. the, the baseball yeah. uniforms. Right? Yeah, I still do. They don't do that in basketball. Yeah, you're right. I'm glad they, they don't. Didn't. They don't do it in football. How weird would that be in yeah. football? <laughs> yeah, pat up. Let's go, coach. Hockey doesn't. Why? Baseball. I've never really understood why the baseball manager has to wear this. And some of them don't need to be in. Yeah, for sure. A skin tight, for sure. Baseball uniform. Yeah. You have I, any idea? I, I don't have an exact reason. Um, I, I've thought a lot about it, uh, primarily because you know, as as a high school coach, 
Did it, you wear it? I have to wear it. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm on, if I'm on the field coaching first base, <laughs> any any coach that goes onto the field, um, whether you're coaching first base, third base, pitching coach, manager, you know, whichever role you are, if you go onto the field during the game at all in high school, you have to wear the uniform. Wow. Um, and so I've got my my knee high pinstripe pants with my stirrups, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's pretty sweet looking. You should come watch sometime just to make fun you, of me. You didn't have band uniform, did you? You didn't have to. No, wear I, the... I didn't have to wear the band uniform. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, A couple but, fun questions. Well, you didn't okay. you didn't hear yeah. my answer as to why? Why? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, I really think that is back back in the day when yeah. we first started. Um, I think that the the coaches also played, and so they that were, could be yeah. they were players. And so like as as the yeah. years progressed, they they were they were they were the main coach, but they were also on the team player coach. And so yeah. then they become the player coach, player manager, and then we kind of drifted away from that. Pete Rose was a player manager. Yeah, that's Pete true. Pete Rose played and was the manager. Yeah, you know when he was when he was at the end of his career. That's true. And so I I think that's where it came from. And that's and the, a great point. And the other side of the that. the other side of baseball is it's such a traditional superstitious game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even to this day, I don't step on the foul lines. I don't. I step over them. You know. And it's oh just, my gosh. I mean, I just I just I just don't. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just a habit. And so I think I think it's just kind of a superstitious tradition of like we've always done it this way, so we can't yeah. change it. I would trip over myself if I tried to jump over the foul line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you would. Oh, no, I, I didn't say jump over him. I said I just don't you, step, you on step on him. Step on Okay, a couple of fun questions because I, I really want to get y'all's answers on this. Okay, hit us. Um, uh, what's better, round pizza or square pizza? Jeff? Round pizza. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what is there a difference? I don't think there's a difference, but I, I don't know. Tim? I mean, I – Tradition. I square am, pizza makes me think of high school cafeteria. Food. Yeah, so square well, pizza okay. does kind of give me that cafeteria feel. I, if you're a crust person, I would assume you have more crust to pizza ratio with a square. Ooh. Um, and then you've got the turns that might cook a little bit crustier. But that's I mean, a great point. I th- if you're thin crust, I think you got to go square because then okay. you, you've got the the, the nice cracker side uh, edge. Uh, I'm a I'm a thick crust guy, so so it's round. Hand tossed round is the way to go. Yeah, and thin crust. I've had true pizza in Chicago. Okay, from George's um, or Giorgio's, excuse me. Oh yeah, and don't, don't uh, mess it up. yeah, you know, someone's gonna someone's gonna rip us in the comments yeah. on that one. Um, and it is a hand tossed circle pizza. Okay, well, no, I, I've had pizza from uh, like Joe's right off of Times Square in New York. Mm-hmm. It's not it, the same, but it's round. It's round. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What's your uh okay, this is good. What's your go-to excuse when you get pulled over for speeding? Tim? <laughs> what, why are you calling me out of this? And, and please keep uh, keep your cuss words to a minimal. Okay, okay. Hang on, hang on. Let me think yeah. through this. What's your um, go-to when you get pulled over for speeding? Look, officer, I'm heading to a worship uh oh my, practice oh, at the no, church. Oh my gosh. And I've got to get there to make sure that the cameras and sound are working. You Where's know? that trombone sound? Yeah, <laughs> I needed the trombone on that one. But. Okay. All right, Jeff. Oh man. Oh, I, I never speed, so uh, well, that's not. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't get stopped. I guess just go, don't get caught. Um, I, I don't. I don't really make an excuse. I'm just like, well, you caught me, so yeah. I, I guess really. I, yeah. Mine. I just. I. I kind of go your route. I was like, you know, I. I'm kind of heading to something that I need to take care of for my family or <laughs> something like that. But I'm also very cautious now about my speed yeah. because I'm conscious about money. Yeah, me too. So, me too. Back yeah, in the day yeah. when I'm like, I'm young and I don't care, you know, I, whatever, I'll pay for the ticket. But I mean, can I ask, but, but when's now, the last time like one of y'all got pulled over for speeding? I, oh, it's right before COVID. Like I me. I haven't been pulled over in, in years. years yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I got pulled over a couple weeks back because my tag was out on my car. Um, but like I, I don't, I have not been pulled over for speeding, and I can tell Are you. Are we I, supposed to change tags on our cars? <laughs> occasionally. Apparently, yeah. that's a thing. Oh, okay. Um, Must be and, new. Uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Must be new. Yeah. But I, uh, it's not a co- it's not as common out here. Um, I think you've got to be going pretty fast Maybe so. for them to be like, yeah, you need to slow down. Because if you're in the flow of traffic, nah. I don't know about. But if that. you are the flow, if everybody's behind everybody's you. Chasing you. If everybody's tra- <laughs> is like you're the rabbit, get going. Yeah, I just yeah. remember going to college. The thing was, you get behind a semi, yeah, follow and them. drift, and they're gonna they're gonna pull over the semi. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. They pull over the red sports car. And Gala, my yeah. wife, had a red sports car, 
So yeah. she was always, you know, cops were always looking for them. Like, no, I'm never getting a red sports car. No. And then I met her, and all I wanted to do was drive the sports car, and so I would get pulled over. Yeah, I was going to say, I could throw my wife under the bus. I mean, every time we've been stopped the last several times, She's driving. it's been her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's smart. Well, in new cars, so I, I will say, so like I have a 2021 Kia Telluride, and it's got the, mm. uh, the lane assist and the directional assist where it drives itself as long as you set cruise. And so I set cruise, and then like – I can't tell you how many times I've been heading to Dallas and mm-hmm. just kind of not thinking and I'll find myself doing 60 on I-20 because it gets behind a, a semi or somebody down. and it just naturally slows down and it doesn't feel that slow. Yeah. And I'll look down and be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm losing time on my travel here and I'll have to go around them and stuff. But I, I wonder if just kind of the technology piece there that stepped up is like, hey, uh, you know, also, I will say I, I have friends in the, the DPS here and in uh, Midland PD, and, and they're, they're drastically under yeah. uh, sure. served right now. And so they're focusing on making sure our city is safe. And, uh, I, I and they're not worried about pulling. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people yeah. focusing on speeding tickets yeah. right now. Uh, hey, Jeff, can you stay around a little bit longer? Absolutely. All right. And now Every Neighbor presents Why Today Doesn't Suck. Well, today is August the 10th. It is the 232nd day of the year. We are getting closer and closer to putting the stamp on the end of this year, or at least the end of the heat cycle. I hope so. Kids are back in school already at some of the places. Some yeah, haven't back. started yet. So, you know, we're just, man, we're we're almost into the swing, into the routine. You know, a lot of people have been traveling for the summer. They should all be back now ready to go. But there is one thing that happened on this day back in 2017 that I want to mention. Okay. And this is kind of interesting. It makes my stomach hurt a little bit too. Uh So on this day, August the 10th in 2017, a 100, a 100 year old fruitcake. Oh no. Oh God. (laughs) Was deemed almost eatable. Or edible. Eatable? Eatable, edible. Edible? Tomato, tomato. Um, yeah. After I mean, being discovered in a hut. That's crazy. They what found the something that's just barely older than you. And oh it, was, it was like, <laughs> okay. and they said you could still eat it. That's it was nuts. Almost, quote, okay. almost eatable. But well, is, okay, a, Jeff. is a fruitcake ever almost edible? <laughs> okay, yeah. Great question. Let's yeah. debate I mean, is that. It, how different is a is a 100-year-old fruitcake from a fresh-out-of-the-oven fruitcake? Do they make <laughs> them in an oven? How do they make fruitcake? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think they are baked, and I would say they're probably softer in oh my gosh. Sense, but not uh, much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I... I, whether it's a one-hour fruitcake or a hundred-year oh fruitcake, I don't want it. Yeah, I'm not in it. I'm not. I'm not into fruitcakes. Are no. you a big fruitcake fan? Not into it. No. 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 You you don't have fruitcakes at Christmas. No, we don't. Uh, Thanksgiving. No. Any of those? Any of those? Th- the only thing that's required is pecan pie. No fruitcakes. Oh my gosh, pecan pie is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't have pecan pie today. Okay. We don't have fruitcake today. I was about to say, if you pull out, yeah, a if you get fruitcake, I'm out. Just cut it. <laughs> it. It's not National Fruitcake Day. Okay. But it is national. Okay. This is one of my favorite. S'mores Day. Oh, I could get behind s'mores. that. S'mores. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You got any stories on s'mores? Oh, uh, we love making s'mores. I mean, we used to have a chiminea um, that we would like. Wait, a what? A chiminea. It's like a uh, outdoor uh, fire pit from uh, Mexico that looks like a, it's hard to describe, but it's got a little opening where the wood goes in and then it's got a. You see them. They're the, they're the orange clay pots. They're, yeah, they're yeah, like yeah, yeah. bulbous Terracotta, the and then like this, and they go up to like a chimney at the top. Yeah, yeah. You see yeah. them. We, we used to have one on our back porch, and we would uh, build fires with my kids. Were little. We, we set up our tent in the backyard, and we'd camp out in our backyard and make s'mores. Well, I thought it'd be real good for the last minute or two that we have to, to make some s'mores. We're not going to make a campfire. And anymore. share some s'mores. So here's some marshmallows. These are jumbo. Okay. Why don't you open that up, get it ready. Well, uh, I've got all. Is Element 14 about to kick us out? I've got all. We're not the, building a fire. A are fire we? in here. I've got all the ingredients. Well, I don't know if we're going to build a fire, but um, so I'm going to take. I'm going to let you stick your hand in there. I'm gonna, right. I don't believe Graham in cracker. germs. But and then, okay, so here's graham cracker. So you got to have that. You gotta, put put a, put me a marshmallow on there. Okay. Okay. Here you go. And uh, okay. And uh, I think we've got some Hershey's. I think we got some Hershey's. Here you go. 
This is the best there you go. dinner pass we've one, ever had Pass one of those a, over uh, to Jeff. Before. Let's see. Is Jeff putting his together over there? Make sure the camera's yeah. on him. Go ahead yeah. and grab you one. I would have eaten less dinner if I didn't know I was going to have some s'mores. Yeah. Well, you didn't know it was National S'more Day. I didn't know it was National S'mores Day today. And let's see. Do we have anything else? What else do we need? Oh, we need to cook these. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, let's see. How does this thing work here? I don't know if I ever want to see you with a blowtorch. <laughs> okay, here we this go. A little All right. Better. I'm going to give this to Tim. Tim, why don't you, because you, you're in a better shot, why don't you cook these for us real quick? And... um. Uh, okay. I'm going to just kind of sit here out of the way. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure I'm the person. <laughs> well, okay, hold on. Hold on. No, yeah, twist. Tw uh oh, oh. I, I cut us off there. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Uh, you got to twist this to let the gas and then. Yeah, there you there go. go. Okay. Oh, pull it down some because it's going to burn the hair on my legs. Hey, so you okay. remember that one time so, we got kicked out of Element 4? <laughs> yeah, not yet. Okay. So, Show that up there real good. Yeah, so I'm going to hold this while I cook <laughs> hold it. Hold the Let's yeah. not. Let the no. <laughs> it's okay. We're good. We're good. I've never. Uh, the manager may be staring at us right now. He, he may not be. Uh, he might be. He might be kind of pissed off about this. But okay. I, so I, I got some toast on it. Yeah, okay, we'll so you just... got that. So, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine without the thing. Or Jeff, you, you want to? Oh yeah, yeah. To, yeah toast is over there. The guest still yeah. on, so just go right ahead. Oh, okay, just kind of fire it up there. Do yeah. I get a? Uh, I didn't sign a waiver. You know, we, we <laughs> should probably talk with Moose about that. <laughs> uh, anytime Tim is on, there just needs to be a waiver, a general basic waiver. You take your right, I've got the camera on that one. That looks good. You melted yeah, it pretty you go. good there. Yeah. All right. You got something on it. Well, hey, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. We're going to enjoy these uh, um, s'mores. Any last words, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, man, I appreciate being asked to do it. It was so much fun. I mean, you and I are friends. I could sit and talk to you any yeah. day. Um, but I mean, I, I love the opportunity to get to sit and talk about educating kids and just, just my experience and the things that I've gotten to do. Um, it's just been, been a real blessing. So, so I will, yeah. I will end it with this. The one thing that I want all educators to hear, because it's, it's super yeah. important for educators to understand that, um, we talk in my business a lot about two things. Number one, failing forward. Mm. Um, you heard us talk earlier just about it's, it's one of those skill sets that's missing from sure. things today. Mm -hmm. And then number two is leave a legacy. Yeah. And so we, we talk often about what legacy are we leaving? And I want the educators of Midland and of all all areas to know that they are drastically, we are throwing lighters. I might be on fire now. There. It's all good. Um, <laughs> it's cool. We're going to deal with that later. But I, I want our teachers to know that you are changing lives. Yeah. And even if yeah. it's something no matter like what. banned. Yeah. Uh, and even if the kids call you a Nazi or whatever, like you are teaching them things that they're going to be using in cr in creating businesses and creating lives and in creating new children yeah. and new legacies. And so I, I want our I want our educators to be encouraged in that because Absolutely. you are changing lives and you're creating a legacy that you, you may never know, but you've yeah. made the impact. Thank you, Jeff, for being here. Absolutely. Tim, thank you for sitting in. I'm going to I'm just going to eat this marshmallow. I'm really hoping that that. It was very good. You know, as we always say, don't be sad it's over. Just be glad it happened. We'll see you guys next week. To connect with the guys or subscribe to the weekly flow line, send us an email at media at perf-cam.com. Every Neighbor is the bridge to supporting community engagement between business and nonprofits. Every Neighbor is here to simplify the pathways to connection in our community. Connect with us at everyneighbor.com.